Growing the Game with Ballsy is a podcast dedicated to growing the game of football in Saskatchewan. Each week, Michael Ball will talk with rider guests, but he'll also highlight amateur athletes, coaches, and builders in this province growing the game we love. Now, here's Ballsy. And I'm your host, Ballsy. Thanks for checking out another edition of Growing the Game with Ballsy. Please like and share the Growing the Game with Ballsy Facebook page. Please share this podcast. That's the best form of promotion, word of mouth, as we try to build and preserve the fine sport that we love, football. I'd like to thank two of my main sponsors, Regina Sports Performance Center. They're sponsoring this studio that I'm broadcasting from. You can check out their great facility at 1440 Broadway Avenue. And Kevin Welsh and Hammer Time Roofing in Saskatoon, your five-star certainty roofer. Quality products, unbelievable service. 306-262-ROOF, the number to call in the Saskatoon area. And it is time to head out in the Hammer Time Roofing Hotline here from the Regina Sports Performance Center studio and talk with our first guest who just recently went into the Regina Sports Hall of Fame. And in my opinion, right there with Gord Curry, the best amateur coach in any sport that I've been around in my lifetime is Frank McChrystal. He's joining me here. And it's nice to see you and Bernie Schmidt, your sidekick, go into the Regina Sports Hall of Fame together. I thought that was very fitting. Well, I think that's, I think that's the way to do it, Michael, because, I mean, really, you know, our whole concept with the Rams is that it's a team thing and, and everybody contributes. And I, I see this award and this recognition as a, as a team award, a Regina Ram thing. So, Rather than one guy going in, certainly uh, the fact that Bernie and I go in together after coaching together for so long, you know, uh, the 30, 31 years when I was the head coach, plus a couple years when we were both assistant coaches, plus the high school years that we coached together. Um, so I think it's, uh, you know, I, th- I think it's, I, I feel really good about it. And, and feel much better than, you know, if just one of us went in without the other. But you guys also were just coaching in the Spring League not that long ago, pre-pandemic. So I thought that was uh, that was kind of neat, too, to see you guys up in the box together once again. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, that was kind of fun, you know. And we, uh, we went out there and, and uh, forgot about the weather. <laughs> forgot about the wind and the, and the rain and the mosquitoes <laughs> and stuff. But, uh, yeah, so that was, that was okay for a bit. And, uh yeah, we we got some chuckles doing that, but you know, Bernie, he's got he's got uh, going to have seven grandchildren uh, here pretty quick, and I've got a, a grandson that's a little over a year, so that's that's taking up our time. Well, you're you're that's the only thing you've trailed Bernie, and you better get going there, man. Yeah, I know, I I know exactly. Well, my son Charlie's getting married in uh, in September, so who knows? Maybe there'll be uh, something around the corner there. Remind me your grandkid's name again. Weston. Weston, that's Weston. right. Now, yep. now, is he yep. named after the bakery or Dressler? <laughs> that's, that's, that's funny. And I, I have absolutely no answer for that. Well, what kind of grandpa are you, man? <laughs> hey, uh, yeah. hey, hey I I gotta, that's great. I got to ask you, um, that probably makes you feel old that you're a grandpa, and I think you'd be a neat grandpa. But does it make you feel old when you watch a guy like John Ryan still out there punting for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders? Because I just recently talked to him on our uh, radio broadcast about you and Bernie, and he had nothing but unbelievable things to say about both of you guys. But in particular, you, he said, this guy was a major influence in my life. But does that make you feel old to see the 40-year-old or nearly 40-year-old John Ryan still punting footballs in the CFL? 
Well, you know, Michael, a couple things. I mean, uh, years ago, when he, when he was still playing for us, John got hurt playing uh, lacrosse. And I remember saying, hey, do you want to do the lacrosse thing or do you want to kick professionally? Do you want to play professional football? Because I think that you can kick the way he was, and this is the honest-to-God truth, the way he was, I said, you can kick till you're 40-plus years old. Like, you can have that kind of career where you don't have to go and, and do something else. That's what you can do. You're that special. And so that, that's kind of interesting. Does it make me feel old? I don't know. I was at the university today doing a, a video test, uh, testimonial for uh, a guy, Doug McKillop, who's won an award from the U of R. And I uh, had occasion then to sit down and talk with Bruce Anderson and Mark McConkie, who are coaching with the U of R Rams. And uh, I, it's funny, I, I don't, I still think of them as uh, players, but you know, I shouldn't think of it that way. And I don't mean that in a bad sense at all, but I, I just don't think of them as being, you know, 30 and 40 and 50 years old. I, yeah. I think of them as when they were players. And then, and then I have to kind of reflect on the fact that I'm 67, and I go, "Holy jeez!" Yeah, like, I know. I know. <laughs> I guess I'm older. Yeah, so. I know. But and you too, and you too, Michael. Yeah. I, I, I think about you with your aviator glasses on, <laughs> you know, catching the ball, <laughs> catching, catching the ball, and then fl- kind of flying in, you know, uh, doing yeah. a little thing into the end zone and stuff. Yeah, so, no, I, uh, I, uh, yeah. I had those were the times of your life. I can't. I think I was talking to. Um, I forget I was talking to, uh, and, and oh, it was uh, it was uh, Stusick's kid, Carter Stusick. We were talking about how oh. Frank used to take you up on the hill for all those speeches. And when I was first young, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't even know who these old guys he's talking about are. And then before you yeah. know it, Frank's talking about you on the hill. And he said Macaulay yeah. has taken that tradition and done it with the Thunder. Um, uh, how how you know you won a lot of championships, but you're the type of guy. It's more important to you. Those types of things, traditions and friendships and, and building good guys. Is it, is it a kind of a, a source of pride for you to see some of these guys in the community or back coaching again and doing all that type of stuff? I feel really good about it and, uh, and feel really uh, humbled by how successful they have become. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, really, uh, it's really important because it's, it just kind of validates what we were doing. But... You know, when you talk about going up the hill, which now Macaulay, I guess, is doing with Thunder, if if you ever, if people that are listening, if you ever just have a chance, and I mean, it's pure hell trying to get out there now where the Thunder practice it at yeah. Scotty Livingston Field. But you go up the hill and look down on that field and at the city on a beautiful night, you know, clear night, and it's it's pretty kind of puts things a little bit in perspective for you and kind of slows your day down and and gives you an opportunity to think about those things that are important. Yeah, no kidding, man. When you think about all the great players and people that were on that field or around that field, and I wanted to talk about, you know, you mentioned Doug McKillop, a guy behind the scenes who gave everything for that team. Ed Bankowski, selling 50-50s and and did so much for that team. And how about a guy we just lost, Gary Treble. Those kind of guys behind... Gary Treble did stuff long after his son Greg was gone. Like, those are the... That's the reason why the John Ryans, the Chris Getzlaffs, those kind of guys could play football. Well, it is the reason why. And, you know, guys like Gary Treble and Dennis Losey Sr. and uh, uh, Don Fuchs, 
those guys kind of were a little bit involved, but left it alone until their kids were gone. And then they did, honest to God, they did 20 and 25 years after their kids had left, after their sons had left playing. And uh, I mean, never asked for anything, never wanted any kind of recognition. They just, you know, down in the, you know, Gary Treble in the bowels of, of old Taylor Field in 2013 when the Grey Cup was here. It was 2 o'clock in the morning and we were still counting tickets and, and had to go out and get someone that was one of the guys cleaning the stadium. Mm-hmm. We said, hey, did, we had to ask him, hey, did you buy a 50-50 ticket? And the guy says, no. And we go, okay, then you can come and make the draw because you still had to make the draw in those days. <laughs> so, and that's like at 2 o'clock in the morning. And Gary Treble, like, come on. You know, why? like, why? Because it was just important. And everybody felt that whatever they did, it was of value. And without doing it, 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 it would keep us from winning, you know, and, and doing things. So it's pretty special stuff. I've said to people, Frank McChrystal should have been a um, professional speaker and gone on a tour and been a motivational speaker. I think you could have made a killing and, and been uh, highly sought after. I also think you could have been a scout. You just mentioned John Ryan. I could see you kicking into your 40s. You were a guy on the Chris Getzlaff train way before everybody else was, and he ends up in the Ryder yeah. Plaza of Honor. Just talk about that because that that's interesting. Yeah. You know, I, I talked to those guys when CFL scouts would come through. I said, and, I, and again, you know, n- not taking anything away from any of the other players, inclusive of Chris Bauman, who was picked number one that year. Mm-hmm. But I told those guys that Getzlaff is the guy that's most ready to play. And he's most ready to play right now because as much as he was physically so capable, he was mentally prepared to play. And when he left here, uh, he was – he was going to make the CFL, and he went to Hamilton, and he drove out there and actually set him up with a guy named Don Douglas out at RMP to to buy a car that would make sure that he got that he got to Hamilton when he drove there. But he was he was he was ready to play, and I told those guys that. Uh, but you know, as I said, uh, sometimes they just don't listen. It's sort of like Eric Tillman misses Jason Claremont twice. Come on. Yeah, yeah. How does that work? You miss him twice. That is, yeah. that's crazy. Hey, I want to ask you this. Now, you don't like to pick out the best players of all time, and I don't expect you to. But off the top of your head, and you have a Rolodex for a mind, even at 67, um, let me ask you this question. Is there somebody that you coached that you didn't think was going to be or amount to anything as a player, but had, an, had a great career that you're like, holy cow, like this is, this is crazy? Well, you know, there's a guy most recently, um, Tavon Campbell. <laughs> and Tavon, Tavon Campbell, uh, we thought was a really good player. And he came from Ontario and uh, had played in that uh, varsity league there. And uh, those guys there, a guy named Roberto Allen, yep. said, this guy, this guy can play. And so he came here, and he was fantastic. And, I mean, as you know, he, he was on the, the track team and did the 60 meters and stuff. But he, in, in fairness, uh, he's not someone that I said, this guy's going to play in the NFL. You know, I mean, there was Akeem Hicks and there was Stephon Charles and there were some other guys that, that could have and should have and uh, maybe didn't get the opportunity. But he wasn't one of those guys. And we go, okay, like he, he's pretty good. But, man, he's playing in the NFL. 
and I've, I've texted a little bit back and forth with him. So I'm so, so pleased for him and so happy that, that he's doing that and doing so well. And I mean, he was, he was a very good student and a terrific guy and a great athlete. So um so happy that, you know, he got that chance and he seized that opportunity. Well, and that's crazy, man, because he was a good player, but I didn't watch him on the Rams and say, this guy's going to be an NFL guy like you would in Akeem Hicks. Uh, the CFL <laughs> certainly didn't see that because he bounced around all over the place, and now he's playing in the NFL, had a pick six on Joe Flacco last season. <laughs> I mean, there again, a yeah. case of a case of people missing or not getting it or it's an inexact well, science. You know, you don't play you don't play a whole lot of games. You know, our our season is eight was eight games. So, you know, he had a couple injuries. One was a shoulder, one was a toe injury. Mm-hmm. And uh so he maybe didn't quite stand out. But when he took and did another sport and was a football player and, and ran the sixty meters like he did, which John Ryan also did track and field and ran the sixty meters. When Devon did that those kinds of things start to stand out. And then he runs that 40 time at a combine and holy smokes, you know, he get, he got a chance. And like, I just, uh, so there's a guy I'm just so proud of when he had the, had the chance to, to uh, seize that opportunity. He took it and, you know, good for him. Talk about making yourself feel old. How about watching Jeff Haggerty's son, Josh, make the Toronto Argonauts. That's a wonderful yeah. Cinderella story that comes from Ram lineage. Yeah, I know, and, the, and that, and uh, Josh was at all of those football schools yeah. that we always put on, you know. And he was uh, actually he's a, he's a little tiny guy, you know, with the blonde hair and fair hair and everything. We had we were worried about him getting sunburned out there, but <laughs> he uh, he he was good. And you know, uh, his dad was just a great, great player for us, and such a physical presence for us uh, mm-hmm. in, in the '90s there. So you know, yeah, and, and that's. Yeah, it is a pretty cool thing. Two more, two more quick things for you here. As uh, you know, uh, Josh, of course, went to the U of S. My buddy Perry's son Mason plays at the U of S. Uh, that Clawson kid, I like him. So I, I, you know, and I like some of the coaches there. It's always the Regina Saskatoon rivalry. But is that? Is this one of your proudest things? You brought the Rams with the help of the directors, decided to make a move because let's be honest, junior football was getting boring, the dominance. You wanted another challenge. You go to the university ranks, and since the Rams have been in the university ranks, number one, the Huskies have never won a championship. Okay, and I think that is worth mentioning. And number two, I think the Rams and the way you guys approached everything with your clubhouse and the, you know, when when guys came out to practice, I'm talking CFL guys, everything was lined up so they knew who they were looking at. It really raised the professionalism, I think, of teams in the Can West. Do you agree with that? Absolutely, it raised the bar for everything from uh, from facilities to scholarship to recruiting, all of those things. It raised the bar and. And it pushed those guys at the U of S. What I know after games, after they, you know, get uh, get a couple beer in them and think about it and are honest about it, some truth serum, they admit that they had to chase that. They had to do something. And uh, University of Manitoba absolutely had to do something. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's no question that we that we pushed the uh, envelope there and made a difference and. Um, some may grudgingly accept that and some may uh, deny that, but it's the truth, man. Okay. Uh, lastly, Bernie Schmidt is a guy that uh, we started this ta- talking about this. He's a guy that, um, 
People talk about Frank McChrystal, and they should, but they don't talk enough about Bernie Schmidt. He likes to be kind of in the weeds. You had to be the face of the franchise and did a great job of it, but Bernie Schmidt has forgot more about football than a lot of guys coaching right now know, and I can say that confidently. Yeah, he's, I mean, he was, he was a huge, huge part of the program, and, I mean, guys, I, but we bumped into a guy, just to give you an example, about three years ago, uh, Wendy and I were in Mexico and we we're walking along the beach and a guy comes charging up to us from behind and, and yells and it's a guy named Tony Plett that played for us. <laughs> uh, yeah. And Tony Plett, he won, uh, they won the Banton City Championship in Edmonton. And he says, I ran Bernie's offense. You know? <laughs> so, like, uh, Bernie is uh, uh, synonymous with with offense and, and passing and and certainly the Rams. And yeah, he, he prefers kind of sit back and and uh and do the x's and o's and prepare guys that way and but i mean part of that too is he also had four girls under the age of four <laughs> so he <laughs> he didn't have a whole lot of time to do anything else so That's a, well and he's uh, getting grandchildren and you're not frank get yeah, with it i know and lastly know. and lastly yeah you mentioned plet they're running bernie's offense you got to you got to ask Marco Ricci what the hell is up with his team. I talked to him at the Ryder game the other day. He lost his his peewee team. He's coaching his son Renzo's team, the Griffins. He lost on a rouge from the nine yard line. I've never heard that before. Yeah, he. I, I we did see him and did talk to him about it, and it's very disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> like he should have to buy beers now for the rest of the year. One, one point. One nothing. Yeah, one good. nothing. That's yeah. that's embarrassing. Yeah. Embarrassing. Anyway, he Frank, he's got he's got to get some special team action going. So. <laughs> that's right. Hey, Frank. Thanks for this. Congratulations once again. Okay. Thank you, Michael. And it is time now for the second quarter of Growing the Game with Ballsy. I want to give a shout-out to a couple more sponsors, Mark Greshner Photography. Check out his awesome work at markgreshner.com. And Crescinda over at Phase First Medical Aesthetics above Gabbo's on Dudney Avenue in downtown Regina. Beat back father time in a naturally looking way. She's going to help you look your best. From the Regina Sports Performance Center studio, and it's time to head out in the Hammer Time Roofing Hotline. And I'm starting something where I'm going to highlight an Indigenous Athlete of the Month. And today I'm talking with Connor Clausen, who is an offensive lineman with the Regina Thunder. How are you today, Connor? Oh, pretty good. Thanks for having me, having me Ballsy. Yeah, thank, thanks for being on, man. Now, you're Métis, is that correct? Uh, yes. Yeah, for sure. So your grandma is a treaty? Yeah, my grandma on my mother's side is treaty, and like all her family is treaty as well. So Okay, Connor, how did you get into football? Like, why do you love the sport? How did you get into it? Uh, well, when I was in grade five, like, I was always, I've always been a big guy, and the high school coach came up to me one day and pretty much said, like, we're down, we're down guys, and we need a big guy for, to play D-line, and after, I went and tried out, and I held my own, and pretty much that was that. I've been playing football ever since. So where'd you go to high school? Just fill the people in? Uh, I'm from about five hours north of Regina from a, town, a small town called Big River, yeah. and we played six, we played uh, six-man ball up there. Okay, so tell me the transition. Six-man ball to uh, 12-man ball, and you were defense, and now you're offense. How's the transition been? Yeah, it was... I, didn't, I thought I was going to get cut my rookie year because I came in, I tried out as a defensive lineman and I played six man and I had really no not a lot of IQ with the 12 man game and then after the spring camp that year 
the coach Scotty came up to me and asked if I'd be or he, if I would uh, play O line, and I pretty much just told him whatever gave me the best chance of making the team, I'd do it. And here we are. Okay, so, so fill the football fans in. What's your position on the offensive line, Connor? Uh, I play right tackle, and that's the farthest farthest uh, right guy on the offensive yeah, line. Yeah, that's right. So you're the farthest right guy in the offensive line. You're right tackle. What do you like about that position, Connor? Uh, I like that I get to go against more of a speedy guys than not just the big, strong, massive inside D lineman. Like I played a little bit of guard my first year, and going up against uh, fellow teammate Jordan Thole was not fun every day. So <laughs> I like. So tell me about uh, tell me about some of your best attributes. What do you think you're really good at in the game of football? Now that you've learned uh, it, now that you've learned the twelve game, twelve man game. I think now that like I've noticed, and my coaches have noticed that like I'm a really coachable guy, and like I pick up things quick. So like it's only been I've only been playing online for a couple of years, and now this I'm gonna be just, I'm, I'll be starting this year. So mm-hmm. I'm proud of myself for that, and then. I, I'm pretty, like, I'm, I'm not as strong as some of the guys in the line, but I feel that I'm pretty quick with uh, my feet, and I'll have, or I'll, yeah. I'll have a good time picking yeah. guys up. Yeah, so do you um, do you feel that's a part of your game you need to improve on is your strength? Yeah, for sure. Like, lots of the guys that we on the team, like, playing uh, in Regina, like, they've started working out in grade 9 or 10 or whatever for the team, and... I never had to work. I never worked out in school. Just like I was always bigger than everybody, and now that like I've started to work out, I'm I'm making strides. But I definitely I'm not a, not where I want to be. But I think I can get there. Do you have aspirations to play at the next level, like professionally? And do you look to a guy like Logan Furland, a former Thunder guy, as kind of inspiration? Yeah, for sure. Like my grade twelve year, I was like I never thought I was going to play football after high school. And I came down, made the team, and just, like, being behind a guy like Furland for a year, like, really, you know, it opened my eyes. Like, if you work hard and stick with it, like, that could be you one day. So, what what is, what is impressive about him that you uh, said, yeah, that, that made you salivate? Like, yeah, I want to be like him. Well, not only, like, is he, was he just a dominant player for the Thunder? He, uh, you know, like, he's an absolute leader in the team, like, He'll help you out. Like he, he, if he'd see you guys struggling, like he, he'd help you out, and like he wouldn't leave anybody hanging. Like he's just a great guy. Uh, he's a great teammate. Are you a leader, Connor? Yourself? Do you feel like you're a leader? Uh, you know, I, I'm not as vocal. Like, like uh, we picked, got our captains, and we got Riley Schick on the line. He's our cap. He's a captain this year, and he's a real vocal guy. Um, I'm not there yet. Like, I think. For right now, like for the younger guys, I kind of want to. I want to set an example for with my play. Like, I think getting vocal and more comfortable, you know, talking will it'll come. But right now, just kind of lead with my play and set a good example. How much did football help you growing up in terms of confidence? In terms of, and I say this a lot about everybody. Not and don't take this the wrong way, but not even Indigenous people. Uh, my kid, if you're involved in sports or involved in something, less likely to get in trouble. Like, how much did football help you with all of that? Oh, it, it's been good. It's it's uh, you know I learned a lot of a lot of valuable lessons from football. You know, like teamwork and. You know, just like having another family away from home and, uh, you know, learning to, you know, you're not or to put the team ahead of yourself. And, you know, you know, lots of 
a lot. I had lots of friends back home that, you know, they they got into a little bit of mischief. But like I, I like you said, you know, it kept me out of trouble. I was kind of had a, I was always in the right. So focused, yeah, focused. Okay, lastly, yeah. lastly, uh, two more quick questions for you. Do you look as your at yourself as a role model? Is that important to you for other kids in the Indigenous community? Because I think this is an area where we can grow football. Uh, new Canadians, women, and the Indigenous community. I think there are a lot of great Indigenous athletes that slip uh, between the cracks. Yeah, I agree 100% with you. Like, you know, I never really thought about it much, you know, growing up Métis, because, you know, like, there's so many Indigenous people and Métis people in Saskatchewan. But now that I've come to this level of football and I'm on the team, like, I'm, I don't know, there's not a lot of guys that I know on the team that are Métis or Indigenous. And, like, last year we had, you know, the Iron Brothers, they're Indigenous and Mm -hmm. great football players. And now it's, like, it's it's eye-opening that there's not a lot of guys. I remember playing football out back home, playing against uh, Indigenous players and uh, reserve schools. And, like, you know, they didn't always have the greatest team, but they had star players that could have could uh, play university ball or uh, junior ball. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And you could be a, one of the trailblazers for them. So continued success. And lastly, I guess my question is, do you have any personal goals for the season, Connor Clausen? Yeah, I just want to I want to go out and show that, you know, I'm uh, – I'm, I'm uh, starting for a reason. Like, you know, I don't want to lose the position. You know, for the poor play, I want to show that you know I'm where I need to, or I'm where I'm supposed to be, and make leave my mark. Well, I hope you do leave your mark. I'll be watching you and cheering you on. Our Indigenous Athlete of the Week with the Regina Thunder, right tackle, uh, Mr. Clausen. Thanks for this, buddy, Connor Clausen. Yeah, thanks, Ballsy. And we're heading into the second half of this installment of Growing the Game with Ballsy. want to thank a couple of more sponsors. My good friend Corey Zadorozniak, Double Z Ag Sales in Weyburn. He's been on this podcast supporting it for a while. Big time rider fan too. For grain hauling, grain marketing, and crop insurance, call Double Z Ag Sales in the Weyburn area. And I want to thank another good friend of football and a good friend of mine. That would be Murad El-Khatib with AGT Canada. Uh, he's a big supporter of football at all levels and a big-time philanthropist. And, of course, we know world-renowned entrepreneurs. It's great to have him backing this podcast and supporting the grassroots of football in Saskatchewan. Time to head out in the uh, Hammer Time Roofing Hotline as we're coming to you from the Regina Sports Performance Center studio all the way to Saskatoon, where Hammer Time Roofing is based out of, and speak with Zach Krisik, a mental coach for student-athletes. Zach, how are you today, bud? Good, how are you? Good, man. So tell us a bit about your sports background first to set the table here. So growing up, I was involved uh, in many different sports. I grew up playing hockey, football, baseball. I was... uh, involved with track and field and golf. Uh, So my background uh, is pretty broad, but when I got to the college level, I decided to uh, pursue my passion of baseball to the next level. Uh, So I decided to uh, commit to play uh, for the Prairie Baseball Academy in Lethbridge, Alberta, Mm -hmm. and I spent the last couple years there until COVID kind of hit and which shut us down, which uh, wasn't great. They say sports is at least 60 to probably more than that, 75% mental. Everybody, everybody's good when you get to a certain level of sports. 
Oh, for sure. That's the biggest thing I realized. And I never really realized it until this past year when I was kind of out of sports during this COVID uh, year. And I talked with so many student athletes about the mental side of the game and addressing mental health and everything. And I realized how many people lacked um, the skills needed with that. And I learned a lot of the skills uh, and mechanisms that could have helped me when I played. Uh, For example, uh, just stress management. You know, a lot of athletes at that high level, you know, there's so many stresses to perform, whether it's on the field or within your classroom, uh, within life. And I realized a lot of this stuff, especially the mindset stuff, can help you to perform uh, to the level you want and perform with ease and especially to navigate the changes and everything that are happening. Uh, I feel like it's so important to address that. As so many athletes go off to the next level, they think it's all about the the physicality. And you realize when you get to a certain level, like you said, uh, everyone, you know, can compete. Everyone's got the strength everyone um can play at that level but how do you perform at that level and how good do you really want to be well without going into it too too much because you want people to support your business but i mean let's uh let's whet their appetite a bit so how would you what's one thing you'd say to a student athlete in terms of or one practice in terms of managing their stress because that is a big deal we saw it with simone biles all the way at the olympics there so that tells you the the stresses that these young athletes can be under so give us a little uh a little inside tip here yeah, no, just from my experience, I feel like the biggest thing is focus on uh, the mental part of the game. And, uh, you know, I feel like the biggest thing is purpose, having purpose in what you do. Um, from my experience, there would be practices and games where I was just going through the reps, but there was no purpose to it, I found. Um, you know, and that showed on the field. But when I really uh, got down to it and found purpose in what I was doing, what, what am I actually doing? How is this bettering me? That's when I started to see results in what I wanted. Student athletes i think a lot of people forget about it okay i got a college scholarship it's sports but no it that the sports side of it because i've got a kid going through it now it is a job like it is a grind for these kids from morning until night Exactly. That's the biggest thing. So many people, I feel like, think the student-athlete lifestyle is, uh, you know, this great thing. And don't get me wrong, it is great uh, to lots of extents, but it is a lot of work and a lot of pressure that many people don't realize unless you are a student-athlete, unless you do go through that. So tell me what uh, what Grind Performance can do for the young student-athlete and how do they go about uh, getting involved with your company? So the grand performance, yeah, I'm aiming to help uh, any student athlete, doesn't matter what sport they're in, um, but I want to help them get the results they want. I feel like, from my experience, so many athletes I see work work so hard every day, but don't get the results they want. They don't get where they want to be. So I aim to help student athletes with everything on the mental side. So things such as time management uh, within school, within your sport, within life. Uh, Stress management is a big one. I really want to help student athletes with the better mindset stuff, especially um, and to understand, you know, why they're doing what they're doing and that they have help and a resource, especially with the mental health side of things. And my own experience dealing with anxiety and depression, I feel like a lot of student-athletes just don't want to talk about that. So I want to be able to ha- uh, create a resource uh, for student-athletes where they can feel like uh, they have a home and if they're going off to school, wherever it may be, they have these resources to really help them get the results they want. And, you know, it's tough with some kids, and I can say from experience that we don't want to talk to other people Mm -hmm. about what we go through, especially parents, um, coaches. We want to keep that inside. And, you know, it's not the best thing. I want to be able to 
uh, break down the stigma of mental health and really address it as I realize there's so many so many student athletes that go through these things every day. What kind of anxiety and depression did you feel? Was it all self-inflicted, do you think? Uh, to an extent, yes. I believe, you know, there's internal factors, like there's external. But I feel like myself, I was always a perfectionist. I always needed to perform at the highest levels. I always needed to be the, the best. And I feel like that put a lot of pressure on myself. Uh, you know, just overthinking everything when, you know, just go out there and, and do the things you need to do to to get where you want to be. I feel like that was the biggest thing. Anxiety, yeah, brought a lot of unneeded stress. And then dealing with depression, you know, there's uh, games where you can have a great game but you still feel shitty about your, your results yeah. or you do have a bad game uh how do you bounce back from that if you're in a slump how do you bounce back from that um if things just aren't going your way how do you change your mindset to really uh, get back on track and get the results you want yeah i would think two areas where that would come uh, into play is is though are those individual sports like golf you mentioned golf and even uh baseball a pitcher because you start the play with the ball in your hand and one ball turns into three balls turns into three walks and how do you stop that boulder from rolling down the hill Exactly. You know, so many student athletes, this stuff isn't taught, right? No one teaches you how to deal with that, how to deal with example hecklers in the stands, how to deal with the pressures of your parents, how to deal with all those things. If you have a big exam the next day, you could be worrying about that. And that's decreasing your performance, whether you know it or not, because your mind is worrying about that wandering when you have a task at hand. And how do I execute? How do I get back on track? And how do I get this win? How do I reach my goal, whatever it may be. You talked about time management there. You know, we all want to be successful. We all want to be the best player in the league, but you got to take small steps. Do you teach them like goal setting? Like maybe for this game, I need to make two pass breakups and a quarterback sack or whatever. Do you teach them that type of stuff? Yes. Yeah, for sure. All that stuff. Goal setting is one of the big things uh, we teach at the grind performance. You know, so many athletes have these goals, but how do I get there? They have this goal in mind, but they don't know how to get there. Also with the time management stuff, I realized, especially being a college athlete in any sport it's a job right you go to school uh you come home you got to go to practice for two three four hours a night you have your lifts your conditioning during those days and then you got to come home and make yourself something to eat at the end of the day if you're living on your own and do your homework and then you do it all over again six seven days a week and that's one thing that people don't really realize as student athletes is it's a grind it's a lot and that can bring a lot of stresses too that impact your performance and your game I find too, for myself, you, you put a list of things that you got to get done. I put the hardest thing at the top. One of my buddies who's a successful salesman lives by the uh, motto, and I'm kind of following it too, touch it once, meaning get to it, get it done. So it's not sitting there getting pushed down the list and, uh, and going from day to day still being on your page. Exactly. That's the biggest thing. And uh, when we work with athletes, we like to make it super specific towards them. For example, if a student athlete struggles more with procrastination, which uh, myself, that was my biggest thing, how do we uh, deal with that and say we could spend more time on that rather than other things? So, right, every athlete is different in their own aspect. So I want to help them get the specific results they want and focus really with detail, especially into the mental side of things, about, okay, how do we get the results we want? How do we deal with this? Instead of just, uh, you know, I like to think letting the winds of life blow in your around. I like to think about it like a sailboat in the middle of the ocean, right? How do we get from point A to B? Because most times people are just in the middle of the ocean and they just get blown uh 
around from the winds of life mm. and don't get where they want to be. So I realized with purpose, with a definite desire, how do you get what you want and how do you see those results? Zach, where can they get a hold of you at Grind Performance? So if you want to contact us, uh, you can reach out at thegrindperformance1 at gmail.com or you can check out our website at thegrindperformance.com. It's all of our information there. So reach out anytime you'd like, and I'd love to talk. Zach, thanks for this. I appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot. Thank you. And we're heading into the fourth quarter stretch here on Growing the Game with Ballsy Installment 306. Thanks for listening. Please make sure to share the podcast with your friends and family and those in the football community. Make sure to like the Growing the Game with Ballsy page, Facebook page. We're also on Instagram and Twitter as well. Let's spread the word. That's how we promote the sport that we love and keep it alive and grow it. Henceforth the name, Growing the Game with Ballsy. And I'm propped up by some great sponsors, including the Regina Sports Performance Center studio go check out their outstanding facility at 1440 broadway avenue in the heart of regina what an athletic facility basketball of course football they got the weightlifting facility great accommodations uh, beautiful beautiful setup there that's where you're going to find some of the brightest high performance athletes in the city but also the common man like ballsy we're welcome there too to work out so make sure you go check it out and all our guests come to you via the hammer time roofing hotline a five-star certainty roofer in in Saskatoon. Kevin Welsh does great work. He's got unbelievable product and unbelievable service. 262 Roof, the number to call. He's a big time backer of what I'm doing here and football at all levels. In fact, he has spread the word all the way back in the day when he lived in Ontario too. Man, this is a great football name. Tasman Smith Windsor. How are you today, buddy? I'm doing great. How are you? Good. Tasman's our Athlete of the Week for Paul Waldo over at Royal LePage in Regina and surrounding area. Give Paul a call, the three-time Grey Cup champ, 306-502-5355. Tasman, uh, you go to PA Carlton. Am I correct when I say that? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. So tell uh, us about, Okay, good. Tell us about your football journey. First off, uh, obvious question, when did you get started in this game of football? Well, I started contact when I was about nine years old with the Prince Albert River Riders uh, and the KFL, so... We were the only Prince Albert team. We went to Saskatoon and played teams from there in Martinsville. And so, yeah, that's basically how I started out. What has the game of football taught you? Oh, everything. Um, discipline, hard work, dedication, everything. If I didn't have football, I wouldn't be the same person I was. I am today. So uh, you, you mentioned you got your start at PA Minor Football. You played for the Selects, the Saskatoon Minor Football Academy, and now uh, uh, PA Carleton. How tough has the last little bit been for you when we didn't have football? And how thankful were you that you could play at the Academy in Saskatoon and then get in that all-star uh, a little set with Regina? Oh man, that was that was probably the toughest period of my life, not like not being able to play football. And uh, that first fall season with the academy was incredible. I learned so much. The coaching was so great. Met so many different people. I had no idea there were so many good football players in Saskatchewan, especially in Saskatoon. And so uh, I went did the academy again in the spring. It was a great experience. The cool thing for me, Tasman, is you get to meet other guys. I, I know it's a smaller world now for you, young guys and girls because you've got social media, something we didn't have when I was growing up in the game of football. So you didn't really hang out with the guys from the rival high schools. Now you guys are kind of friends even socially, you know, online, social media-wise. But it's kind of neat to get together to play on a football team with some rivals. Oh, totally, yeah. And it's, it's interesting going back to high school and then playing against the guys that you, you played with. It's, uh, it's really, really neat. 
do you get a, a appreciation of who they are that you otherwise wouldn't have? Exactly, yeah. What position do you play? We haven't even talked about that. What position do you play, <laughs> Tasman, and what's your best attribute? I like as a football player, like yeah. my best attribute yeah. as a football player. Okay, yeah. uh, well, I play defensive back, and uh, my best attribute, I don't know. Um, I definitely have certain things to work on, but I, I think I'm pretty fast. I'm decently fast. I can keep up with receivers. Okay, so going into your grade 11 year, what's the, what's the one thing you've earmarked that you want to work on for sure? Oh, boy, picks. Uh, always picks for a defensive back. That's my goal. I want to get over five at least so is that being in better position or is that being you know catching the ball better because they always they joke my son was a receiver now he went to defensive back and i only say that because i'm not making funny but they say uh defensive backs are are receivers that can't catch do you have pretty good hands oh well no (laughs) i wouldn't say that i need to work on that for sure um yeah i just need to put myself in better position uh that just comes with experience right um I only played one season of high school football in my grade nine year. I played on the senior team, and then uh, it was it was okay. Like I did all right, but um, I was in grade nine, and so uh, after having a lot of experience with um, the academy and selects and all that, I think uh, I have enough experience now to make those plays. Tasman, your family has a long association with football in this province. Tell me about that, if you could. Oh man, my grandpa uh, was a big Hilltops guy. He played for a long time uh and then ended up coaching as well won championships he was he was a great football player um and then i i think he's the reason me and my brother chose to play football other than hockey because prince albert's a hockey town right right everybody plays hockey um and but me and sully uh chose football because we wanted to be like him yeah, so your your grandpa, yeah, player, coach, executive member for the Hilltops, like you alluded to. Oh yeah, and, and you got uh, you talk about Sully. That's your brother, Sullivan Smith Windsor. What's what's Sullivan play again? Is he a quarterback? Well, he he has played quarterback, and he's pretty darn good at it. I think he uh, should play quarterback for our high school, but he 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 enjoys playing receiver as well. He's older than you, or same age, or he's two years younger than me. Two years younger than you. Okay, that's good. So do you does he look up to you? Do you take on kind of the role model thing there? I think so. I mean, you got to give him credit. He's a very mature kid. Um, I think, uh, yeah, we were we're super close. Um, I think we rely on each other for a lot of different things, like training, all that. Um, he's, he's a great kid. You talked about his maturity. You sound very mature. You don't sound like you're going into grade 11 like you're a 16, 17-year-old. You sound like you're 26 to me. <laughs> well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, Do you get that? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. I just... Uh, I just enjoy talking to people, I guess. What do you like to do away from the football field? Oh, uh, I play a little bit of basketball. Um, golf is a big thing. I, I live up at Elkridge, and I golf all the time. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things to do. Okay, so outside of go- golf's a very, uh, you know, self-reliant sport, which is great. You can't you can't uh, bitch about anybody else's performance, just your own. What do you exactly, like about yeah. What do you like about the? T- you said it without football, you wouldn't be the person you are. But what do you like about football per se? Uh, well, there's so many different things. Um, recently, one of the most recent things I learned is that you get close with your teammates. Um, my uh, academy team for the All-Star game, uh, we were we were like brothers. It was unbelievable. You just build so many relationships with your your teammates and your coaches, and it just it, it's really special. Really, really emotional game. You can, yeah, it's it's nuts. Do you consider yourself a leader? You're a good talker. Are you a leader? I, I would say so, yeah. I don't want to brag about anything, but I think um, I can lead a team in certain situations. Definitely a defense. In your opinion, Tasman, what makes a good leader? Uh, 
someone who brings other teammates up, right? Like everybody makes mistakes on the field. Um, it's not about getting mad at your teammates. You have to you have to help them and then help them to get into a better position to not make the same mistake the next time. No one, yeah, you got you just got to be supportive of your teammates. That's pretty much the bottom line. Do you have a short memory, and how do you keep your memory short? Because you're gonna make some plays on defense, and you're gonna oh, yeah. and you're and you're gonna screw up on defense, and people are gonna single you out, especially in the secondary. How do you deal with the stress and not let one bad play turn into three bad plays? Yeah, I've had a lot of experience with that. As a defensive <laughs> back, you got to have a short memory. <laughs> uh, you get you get burned by a good receiver, and it, it sometimes it sticks with you, but you can't let it happen. You just gotta you just gotta reset, um, get back into the game, and just focus on making plays instead of thinking about the ones that's already, that have already happened. We talked earlier in this interview about it being a bad stretch for you and others because of COVID. It, t- it really took a toll on the youth. Uh, has mental health always been something you've been paying attention to? Or are you paying attention to it more? How do you deal with the, the mental stresses you might go through? Oh, man. the Usually that hasn't been an issue for me. Like, I just I didn't even think about it. But this COVID year has been nuts. Like, uh, I was doing – I was taking extra classes at school, getting home late uh, after practices. Uh, and then eventually uh, there was no football, so I was just sitting at home. Mm-hmm. and I couldn't see my friends, anything like that. Uh, it was really tough, and so I kind of had to change up the way I thought about certain things, uh, gone into training uh, more than I had in the past, uh, just kind of get my mind off things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, just being mentally tough through when you can't do the thing that you love, it's it's a hard thing to do, but it's necessary. What did you hate about football before or dislike about football that you're okay with now? Like, yeah, I'll run, I'll, I'll do two a day practices. I'll run 50 wind sprints. <laughs> I'll do bench press. I don't care. Oh man. Oh man. I love every part of it, but uh, I would say the, the weather, the weather is unpredictable playing like playing at the extreme cold and then extreme heat in the summers. It's uh that can be tough, but other than that, it's a great game. I love every part of it. Okay. And uh, lastly, give a shout-out to guys like uh, Taras Kaczkowski and, and, and others that uh, really got football on the map there in PA. Because, as you mentioned, it was a it was a predominantly a hockey town, but it's starting to become a, a football town, too. Oh, yeah, for sure. There's Our, our football uh, kind of community is growing. A uh, huge shout-out to Taras um, for uh, being such a supporter for the minor programs. Uh, Wendell Witter was my coach um, when I was in Pee Wee. He's since passed away, um, but he was a huge role model for me. He, he got me into the sport. He recruited me to uh, flag football, and then eventually his Pee Wee team. He was, he's a great, he was a great man. Um, Bob Coffin has helped out a lot as well, uh, organizing a PA minor football. He uh, refed our games. He's, he's been great. Uh, Lindsey Strachan for... Um, the Carlton, he's a Carlton High School head coach. He's mm-hmm. a great coach. He definitely knows what he's doing, and uh, he's. Uh, I'm happy I get to play for him again. It's awesome, man. You're a well-spoken man. Can't wait to. Uh, I did watch you in the All-Star game here. Uh, I, I broadcasted here the first of the two against the Saskatoon that Regina played. So it was nice to see you and your brother playing. And I can't wait to watch you uh, and, and see how you do this fall season. It's great to be talking about the fact that you're going to have a fall season. That in itself is oh, a, yeah. is a victory. Is a victory, man. Thanks for this, Tasman. I appreciate it. Well, thank you very much, Balzi. Uh, appreciate it.
And just before we get to our extra point, let's recognize a couple of other great sponsors. Football royalty, John Ryan, who is absolutely hammering the football this year. Off to a great start. You wouldn't know he's going to turn 40 on November 26th. It was nice to see the coach, Craig Dickinson, agree with me. This guy's a timeless figure back there punting balls and holding on field goals and extra points for the riders john ryan he is sponsoring this podcast with the gear up with john ryan foundation love that guy and what he does for our community and also advantage collision in saskatoon and prince albert my buddy ben garrow choose advantage collision because they care about your safety time now for a preview of the can west football season which happens later here in september it's uh, our look at the university of saskatchewan huskies head coach scott flory's huskies are built to win now and every phase of the offense is among the best in the league. Quarterback Mason Nias has a pro arm and can fire the football anywhere on the field. He'll have running back Adam Mackert riding shotgun. Mackert is unreal. The man can do it all and was runner-up for the most outstanding player in U sports in 2019. He got ripped off in the Heck Crichton Trophy voting. Who's kidding who? Add in Josh Uanchina and Saskatchewan has the best duo of runners in Can West. Now, Saskatchewan's massive offensive line features Canadian Football League draft picks Connor Bergloff and Nick Summick. Noah Zur is expected to be drafted in 2022, and he has had a great elongated offseason, really working on his footwork. These road graders will be able to blow holes wide open and offer great protection. The receiving core is the cream of the crop, and the Huskies have stocked the barrels for their gunslinger quarterback with CFL returnee Sam Baker and Colton Clausen. Jesse Kuntz. Caleb Morin and Yol Piak are among the other dangerous weapons for Nias. The defense will be led by the two-headed pass-rushing monster of defensive ends Riley Pickett and Nathan Cherry. The linebacking core has hefty weapons in the arsenal. 2019 Rookie of the Year Ramsey Derbis is, of course, going to be factoring big time into their play. And Oregon Duck transfer Nick Weeb out of Okotoks, Alberta, is going to make things happen for sure. Now, after the loss of Nelson Lacombo to the Rough Riders and Josh Haggerty to the Argonauts, the defensive backs are now led by veteran stars Charlie Ringland and Clovis Lumeca. Now, the Huskies kick off their season with a non-conference game against the Manitoba Bisons on Saturday, September the 18th. It's the first time fans get to see the $3.14 million upgraded Griffith Stadium, including new carpet. The Huskies play a six-game regular season schedule beginning on the road against the Calgary Dinos September the 25th and UBC Thunderbirds October 1st. Saskatchewan returns to the Bridge City October 16th when they welcome the Alberta Golden Bears. The Huskies then host the U of R Rams in their provincial rivalry showdown Saturday, October 23rd at 2 p.m. kickoff. The following week sees them take a trip to Winnipeg to play the Bisons before a final home game on November 6th against the Dinos. The Dogs have made it to back-to-back Hardy Cup championships, including winning their 19th Can West title in 2018. I think it's safe to say the Huskies will likely battle the Dinos for top spot in the Can West. The winner of the Can West will be the favorite to win the national championship and hoist the Vanier Cup in Laval on December the 4th. Here's the thing. You, you gotta go with the Dinos to be the uh, favorites to win the conference just because they come off that Vanier Cup championship back in 2019. But I'm gonna say the Huskies are the team to beat in the Can West in this short 2021 season. In fact, the only way they get derailed, I think, is if they suffer a big injury. This has been Growing the Game with Ballsy. If you have a football story you'd like to share to help us grow the game, email Michael Ball at mball at harvardbroadcasting.com.
Ballsy can be heard weekdays in Regina on 104.9 The Wolf Morning Show and during Saskatchewan Rough Riders and U of R Rams broadcasts on 620 CKRM.